This is more of an introduction. Uh, my wife and I will be ministering together most of the time, if not all of the time after this. Um, there may be times when I will be ministering. She has the microphone now. She may jump up, share some things, or she may be ministering and I'll jump up and share some things. Um, but uh, this is very, very serious. It is very unfortunate that uh, there are some people who, um, particularly in sometimes word circles even, um, who don't believe in what we call soul ties. Uh, because the, the, they don't believe in it because it's, they say it's nowhere in the Bible and that's not true. How I many you know that you can't find the word rapture in the Bible? You know, but the concept is there. Over time, words change. But the process and the power and the mathematics and the science behind those words never change. But the wording may change, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, it's, you know, you see that just when it comes to kids, you know. They use, I was doing a counseling session with a particular gentleman. He's from another nationality um, from overseas. And I kept using slang terms. You know, and I told him, man, this book right here is a bad book. He was like, really? I mean, he, so I had to switch it. He's like, oh, I get it, yeah. So we change words, but the, but the meaning behind it is the same. Well, the same thing when it comes to soul tie. The word soul tie is not in scripture, not that exact phrase. But the concept is extremely clear in the Bible. Extremely clear. You know, so we're going to start this. You know, this series will be a comprehensive look at why so many people are plagued by tragic relationships, unexplainable manipulation at the hand of others, unexplainable curses that bring about depression and sorrow, etc. And so uh, let's open up with this scripture. This is going to be very, very serious. Let me say this uh, as we look at Second Corinthians chapter seven. Um, all of you, including myself, have been and are prey to this. It is the individuals who think they are not deceived that are the most deceived. One of the reasons why it is almost impossible to deceive me is because I know that at any given moment I can be deceived by anybody. Male, female, child, business, company, church, religion, whatever it is. I walk in that perpetually knowing that at any given moment I can be deceived by an individual. And, uh, and so because of that, that humility it allows me to see. And there are sometimes the Lord will let someone come into your life. And you won't see the deception at first. I don't know why he does that. I don't know sometimes that we're off or he just wants to teach us how to listen to stuff. Paul dealt with that, you know, but um, um, but uh, but, you know, with me uh, reading this passage of scripture, uh, um, you're I'm reading this passage because it's going to be very, very important for you to brace yourself. This is not going to be one of them series where you shout, run around, throw money on the altar, you know. You know, all of that. This is one where you might leave upset. You might leave a little, I don't want to use the, I don't like the word depressed, but you know what I mean by that. You might feel a little low for a moment. But I want to put you in a proper perspective. You know, how many know that they say the past is the past? Okay. And that's true to a certain degree. But sometimes if you have not resolved things in the past, um, you have not resolved things in the past. I knew the Lord was trying to tell me something. Um, it won't allow you to move forward in the future. And so sometimes when you're in the future, you have to then dive back into the past to correct some things. You know, I was uh, I had to pause for a moment because I sensed the Lord was trying to remind me of something, which is the first one of the first dreams that the Lord gave us about this ministry. When we started it, the Lord gave my wife a dream. She was going over to a friend's house to take care of uh, the, the lady who had just had a child. And so my wife went over there to watch the child so that the woman could get some rest. And uh, so the lady is sleeping. 
And then my wife was holding the baby on the couch. And then she fell back. She fell. The baby fell asleep. And then my wife fell asleep. And when my wife fell asleep, she began to have a dream. But the dream started with her holding the same baby on the same couch. Y'all follow me? Okay. okay. So she holds the baby, falls asleep. And then she has a dream. And in the dream, she's holding the same baby on the same couch. And the baby woke, was awake in the dream on her lap. And the baby began to regurgitate or throw up three different things. It was two condoms, two candy wrappers, and two safety pins. Oh, I don't remember the two, two, two. Okay. It was two condoms, it was two candy wrappers, and it was two safety pins. You know, how many of you know, if you don't know nothing about dream interpretation, you're like, okay, you're either looking at yourself or you're looking at the baby. <laughs> you're going to wake that mama up. Here, you can take this one back. I don't know what's going on with this. You know, but, uh, but long story short, the interpretation of the dream was in that dream, uh, the baby that my wife was holding actually represented Lionheart Church. New baby, new ministry. And, uh, and the Lord was telling us that there were three things that needed to be resolved with the first group of people. Number one, the condom stood for sexual immorality. That's why the baby. See, it's how many know that it's, if, if this stuff was in a baby's system, it's going to make the baby sick. So in order for this baby to be healed, this baby is going to have to throw up and regurgitate what's in its system. So the Bible is the, the, the scripture because we are the church, not a building. So the Lord was saying the group that's with you. These are three things that must be resolved in order for you to go to the next level. Number one, condoms represent sexual immorality. Number two, the candy wrappers uh, was gossip. How many of you know that, you know, how many of you love candy? You know, that's how many know when you go out to a restaurant, that's always the dilemma. When they come with the bill, would you like some dessert? And you sit there and struggle. I know we do. You know, as soon as they say you want some dessert, I look at my wife. She looks at me and we sit up there and try to go back and forth and vacillate whether or not we should get this dessert. Okay. How many know desserts are really good for you? Desserts taste good, but they are not good. Candy tastes good, but it is not good for your soul, not good for your teeth, not good for your system. Okay, but gossip is like that. It feels good. Child, did you hear what Lucy did yesterday? And brothers do the same thing. Man, did you see Donald Trump on television yesterday talking? I was at the barbershop yesterday and it was going back and forth. Boom. So the Lord was saying that you have to get rid of gossip. And in particular, it was going to have to be gossip about previous ministries we had come from. But then the third thing, the safety pin represented past issues that had not been repaired completely. I'll give you an example. Women, if, if you get a tear in your dress right now, okay, what, what first thing you ask for is what? Safety pin. But how, ladies, how many of you know that if you don't go back and repair that tear correctly, it is going to get worse. So, so I said all of that to say that that's the reason why we have to bring up things in your past. As we minister the Lord is going to flash people in your mind that you forgot about. He's going to flash situations through your being that you didn't even know about. He's going to flash business transactions. He's going to flash cults. He's going to flash all type of stuff across your being. And it'll be him saying, yeah, this thing that I brought to your attention. Yeah, this is the thing that's him and you up right now. What is that piece of lint? <clears throat> okay, so. So, uh, so based on that, 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, this is your attitude. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter or teaching, I do not regret it. Though I did not regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, 
but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation or prosperity. But the sorrow of the world always produces death. For behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what revenging of wrong and everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. What he's saying here is we said some things that made y'all feel bad. But when you say things that make you feel bad and it comes from God tempered with love, it'll always produce repentance and correction. And what the last part he was saying is, is that there are things that all of us have fallen into. Okay, like I say all the time, you can be in a brand new car going down a perfectly straight road. And if you don't constantly make adjustments, you will crash within 20 to 30 seconds. Because even a brand new car on a straight road, you got to make constant adjustments. And if you're an individual that doesn't know how to make constant adjustments, you will crash and burn before you even know it. What he was saying is, is that when these things are brought to your attention and you begin to repent, then your light will shine. Your eyes will be open. The deceiving mechanisms by the enemy will be broken. And then you'll realize, oh, he was the one who was deceived me. And then he'll say your zeal and your fire will kick back on. You then want to exact revenge on the devil that deceived you and the people that he used. You want to sit up here and get your life together. You want to move with speed. How many have been there before? Okay. So that's what he's saying. <clears throat> so, all right. So the, 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 uh, I told my wife, we should have titled it Seduction, Sex, Soul Ties, and Transference of Spirit. So that's not what the title says, but that's what we're going to talk about. The main theme will be soul ties, but we have to talk about the other three because soul ties are not what produce the other three. It is the other three that produce soul ties. So seduction will always lead you to a soul tie. And when we think seduction, we're not talking about sex. It can be religious seduction. It can be, I know, uh, I know, I don't know what possessed them to do this. I don't want to mention the name. You know, any of y'all got preachers y'all just can't stand. You just like, you take all the love of Jesus. And so I'm not going to mention, I just can't stand this man. You know, just, and sometimes you just see that the person is off and they have the wrong agenda. So I'm not going to be saying the names, you know, but I'm sure some of you are going to realize, hey, yeah, let me. They had Farrakhan on the Word Network. Let me get this right. The Word Network. Okay? And let me tell you something. You know, I have person, nothing personal against Farrakhan. If that man was a spirit-filled believer, that man probably be the most high, highest level anointed man in this planet, I'm telling you. Okay? But spirit, Farrakhan operates in what you call um, the spirit of Python. It's the spirit of Python. The spirit of Python is you listen to someone and deep down in your heart, you know they off, but they sound so good. You still got to listen to them because I know Farrakhan just as off as a three headed demon. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Just let me. He doesn't even have the first part, first part right. Let me. I don't know why I'm saying this. Y'all, any person in the planet who says that the Bible is written by a white man is the most ignorant person. in the, You don't have to listen to nothing else that they got to say. The white man, I hate to say that, is the only individual that had nothing to do with writing the Bible. 
The Bible was written by 40 different individuals, I gotta keep saying this, on three different continents. 90% of them did not know each other and never met. They came from different racial backgrounds. They came from different social economic statuses. Some of them were lawyers, one was a doctor, some were fishermen, some were staying at home, some we don't know what they were doing. They came from all of this stuff and all 40 of them wrote this and yet their writings line up perfectly. Historically, spiritually, scientifically, and mathematically. Ain't no man, excuse me, ain't, have the, has, has the ability to do anything like that. So the fact that he believes that the Bible is written by the white man, and so he has a spirit of Python. I have to be honest with you. I know he off. I just, I like listening to him. That man got a voice he can, you know, and a white man has kept us. I mean, you sit there like, man, you be irking and jerking with him like, man, this dude be putting it. Oh, it's called the spirit of Python. So that's seduction that will lead you to a soul tie. Okay? And seduction is always based on beauty. Okay? So, 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 beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So no matter where you think you are on the beauty meter, someone is going to think you're fine. Okay, somebody's going to think you're fine. And maybe not because of looks, maybe because of your status, maybe because of how you are. Somebody's going to think you're fine. Well, when you become beautiful to someone, okay, the spirit of seduction is in operation. And the spirit of seduction is not a good or a bad thing. It can be used either way. God uses seduction to pull people into the kingdom of God. Okay? Okay. Um, And so, but it's based on beauty. Someone can see you. They can see your situation. They can see how... uh, I'm trying to move forward, but I'm not going to, I'm glad I kept it shorter, you know. How can I put it this way? I'll give the example I gave earlier, which is, I'll show you how it works. You can be a beautiful woman, okay, or a handsome man. Somebody sees that and seduction kicks in. They want a part of what you have. So that as a result of the seduction, when it's complete, there's an intimate bond called sex, Okay. Now, as a result of the intimate bond called sex, after a, period of, after a period of time, if it was done the wrong way or it's the wrong individual, what will happen is, is that you will realize it and you'll try to break away from that. But then now it's difficult because the soul tie has been created. Okay? Well, it's the same thing I was telling somebody this week about time. You can have a whole lot of time on your hands. Somebody doesn't. And they want to use your time. Because time to them is attractive because they don't have it. And they'll take your, how many of you got pulled into some situations you wish you never got in? I know I did it to the brothers at the church when I used their time to help me move. Okay. They still talking about me like that, like a dog. That brother tricked us. They take your time. Okay. Well, then when you start giving them your time, it is the equivalent of sex. And if you keep giving them too much of your time, then a soul ties were created. Now, when you start trying to not give them your time, it produces issues. Because the soul tie has been created. You can see somebody that has a lot of money. And your money is attractive to somebody who does not have it. So, seduction. They try to get you to do certain things and all of that. So you start giving to an individual. How many of you have been there before? Some of us got a cousin right now. He called you every week. Okay? And, and what they do, your, your situation is financially attractive to them. So seduction pulls them in to try to pull you in. And so what happens is, is that you start giving them money. And when money changes hands, it's the equivalent of sex. And when you keep on giving them money, soul ties are created. It's a mixture of emotions over money. 
And then when you stop trying to give them money, how many know it's usually a problem? Yeah, because they have a soul tied to you and you're trying to break away from it and it produces strife. So that's the seduction part. When it comes to sex, you know, and we're going to teach on each one of these. Seduction, we might be on there for two days. When it comes to sex, we might be on there who knows how long. We're going in hard on that one. Hey, uh, sex, this is very important. God made the sexual union to not be physical and physical. Most people, the reason why people sometimes have multiple partners and all type of goofy stuff is because no one ever told them when God created sex, he made it being to being. Y'all got me. It was never physical. It was being to being. When you have sex someone, all you, all you see is the physical part, but you don't see the soulish part and you don't see the spiritual part. When you have sex with someone, it is physical to physical, it is emotion to emotion, it is will to will, and it is spirit to spirit. All three take place. And the system is designed in such a way, your organs, your emotions, your mind, will, emotions, every fiber of your being, every, I mean, your blood, I mean, the the blood vessels, your nervous system was engineered and created by God to only have sex with one person. Only one. So when you, so the first person typically you have sex with, the body is programmed to say, well, we're programmed that when they have sex with that one person, we bind our emotions to this individual, bind our soul to this individual, bind our spirit to this individual. Because it was always being to being. God only, y'all think God had another plan for Adam to have a wife on the side besides Eve? No. So he created, because I'll remember that, God didn't create the system based on us acting a fool. He created the system based on perfection. And perfection was a man will find one woman, stay a virgin, she will stay a virgin, they will marry, and because of that process, boom, they will be merged together, spirit, soul, and body. When they have sex, it is the completion of all the other stuff. So when you have sex with someone you're not married to, you force the body to go into that mode. And then what happens is, it's like having a million dollars. If I have a million dollars, okay, I'm gonna use this in regards to sex, I have a million dollars, and I give 50,000 to her. Then I don't have much left. I mean, I have, still have a lot left. Then I give 100,000 to her, okay? Then I give 75,000 to him, okay? How many of you know that that and watch this. I'm doing this and, and I'm giving it to individuals that I'm not married to. If I keep on giving that money away, the individual I'm not married to, when I get married, guess what? That person does not have the ability to partake of all that I had. See? So this is what happens. You have sex with the first. And I ain't, I ain't, well, I ain't supposed to be talking about sex. I can, see, I can see my wife itching. She's about to get up. Oh, oh I'm just messing with her. I'm just messing with her. No, 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 I'm saying get up if you have to say something, please. Um, so, see, see, I told you she was itching. Um, so, so this is what happens uh, with multiple sexual partners, is that when you have sex with the first individual, your body says, oh, okay, well, if they're having sex with them, it must be because this is the one. And you give a huge part of yourself to that first individual. Then you break it off with them and you go to the second individual and you break off a piece of you and put it in them. Then you go to the third individual and you break off the individual and you give it to them. And so some people, when they think they find the right one, it's the equivalent of you had a million dollars when you started. When you get married, you might have 10 bucks. So now you have nothing 
to give this individual emotionally because you gave it to everybody else. Now, all of this can be reversed. It's just that I have to tell you. No, so when that happens, okay, now bits and pieces of you are broken off into other individuals. And guess what? Bits and pieces of other individuals are broken off into you. Okay. And so sometimes you're having issues in your marriage. You're having issues in your sex life. Okay. If you're married, (laughs) if you're not married, you're producing issues. Okay. But, but, but these issues arise because, and you can't, you don't even know why you don't even know why. And it's because there's certain things that haven't been broken on the inside of you. So that's sex. (sighs) Then you have transference of spirits. Transference of spirits is, it is the spirit of a man operating in another man, or it is a demonic spirit on a man that has been transferred to another man because of intimate contact. So for an example, I remember this one testimony of a girl, never had a lesbian thought of her life. She had sex with a man she was not married to, and he had been having sex with two, he was having a threesome. Okay, well, men and now ladies, always remember this. When you enjoy seeing two women together sexually, it is the spirit of homosexuality, and you are the closest to becoming one if you watch two women. Because it's not them, it's the spirit. Okay? So, shh, let me get this right. So he had, who knows how far this is going back. So he had a threesome with these two girls and they were also lesbians. No, I'm sorry, they were bisexual. Bisexual, lesbian, trisexual, whatever it is, it was multiple things y'all going on, y'all know what I'm saying. So, so he was having sex with them and the spirit that was on them got transferred to him. So it was a spirit of homosexual, or I won't say that, it is the spirit of perversion. So she had sex as a heterosexual female, which what she thought was a heterosexual male, and he was. He was not homosexual, but that spirit was on him. So she had sex with him one time, started having lesbian thoughts the next day. She went into an, a, les- a lesbian relationship for three years. Um, and then uh, ran into them old, when she got ready to be set free from that and ran into one of them old church mothers. They locked her in the church for the entire night. If you come from that, they, they lock you in the church and you're not coming out the church until you are completely delivered. They're going to grease you down with oil. If you have a wig on, it will be destroyed. Whatever clothes you had on, throw them in the trash because them old ladies are going to cast every demon known and unknown out of you. You have no choice. You'll live holy for the rest of your life dealing with them old mothers. They don't play. My grandma, she said, tell you, we don't play with the devil. <laughs> Y'all see on Esther on Stamford and Son. That's how they are for real. Okay, so it's called transference of spirits. Now that's with a demonic spirit. Transference of spirits can come through friendship, church, okay? Uh, and, and, and always remember this. Whoever it is that you listen to the most, whatever they're doing in their personal life is being transferred into your being. That's why I'm extremely selective who I spend a lot of time with. Because I don't know what they're doing in their personal life. Anybody can talk. Everybody talks a good game, okay? And so whoever you're listening to, particularly outside of your relationship with your husband or wife, friends, um, people on TV, um, um, whatever it is, um, it could be anything from watching stuff on television to uh, whatever it is, okay? Whoever it is that you're listening to, the spirit of that individual, the more you listen to them, they are reduplicating themselves in you. And if they're off, guess what you'll be? Off. 
And when you get off, you won't even know you're off. You know why? Because they didn't know they were off. Because it's the same spirit. If they're deceived by the devil, then as you listen to them, they'll be reproducing that same mindset and spirit in you, and you will become deceived. That's why the scripture says, it says that Elijah, with a J, had a servant named Elijah, with an S. And it said that that servant served Elijah with a J. When Elijah with a J was caught up to heaven, the first thing that the people said about his servant is the spirit of Elijah with a J rest on Elisha with an S. Spirit, transfer of spirits. So another way, remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist? He said he will operate in the spirit and power of Elijah. It's called transference of spirits. Okay, that's why this, y'all read that scripture in the Bible that says, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet has a right to his reward. Yeah, that's through transference of spirits. Yeah. You always, are, always remember this. I don't preach it, I don't tell you this, but you are always entitled to whatever is on the individual that you submit to. And not only are you entitled to it, you're entitled to that and then taking it to the next level. So always remember, I don't know why I keep saying, whoever you keep listening to, Whatever they're doing in their personal life, whatever they believe, to the measure that they are on is being put in you. To the measure that they are off is being put in you. That's why I'm not concerned about being a great pastor. I'm concerned about being a great person. Because I know that the more I stay on top of my personal life, the more that I steal. Ten years from now, I'm still looking at my life. What do I need to improve? Where's my pride at? What am I doing? Am I treating my wife right? Am I treating my kids right? Am I doing the right thing? Has my prayer life Because I know that I'm reduplicating myself and people. That's the reason why when people join this church, they say they stop being afraid because I'm not afraid of nothing. All right. I'm making sure. All right. Let's put up the first definition of a soul tie. Man, I forgot to ask you. Okay, well, I think you had another definition too, didn't you? All right, you can read it if you want to. Uh, First definition of a soul tie. It is the knitting together of two souls that can either bring tremendous blessing in a godly relationship or tremendous destruction when made in the wrong relationship. It is a strong bond between two people in the realm of the soul. Okay, remember, and see, watch this. I'll give you another example. All right, just jump up if you have something. Okay, how many know that when you have sex with an individual, bodily fluids are exchanged? Okay. Nobody told you that when you have sex with an individual, it's the same thing when it comes to spirit and the same thing when it comes to soul. <laughs> okay. I'll get, I'll, I'm, I'm going to go through the scriptures to show you. And see, this is the reason why people just having sex. And, and now you understand why Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for what? It is what they do not know about the scientific realm. Okay. This was never a religious book. It is a scientific book. It is a scientific book on how the kingdom of God operates. That's why everything that Jesus taught, he said what? The kingdom of God is as this. The kingdom of God is like this. They are scientific formulas. We must use nature to show you how the higher realm operates because the nature is a shadow of the real. Okay, so that's one of the definitions of a soul tie. Okay, and then let me explain this so I can help you understand what the soul is. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a physical body. Okay. This is why uh, any form of racism on any side is just ignorant because, you know, 
fits an exterior, you know. <clears throat> you always grow up according to your cult, not culture. You don't even grow up according to your culture. You grow up until you're according to your environment. It is your environment that dictates how you think, how you speak, how you, etc. Okay. But nobody, if you grew up in Russia, if you grew up in another, I'll just put it this way. If no one ever told you we're African-American, you would never think you were African-American. You believe that because somebody told you that. It's your environment that shapes your reality. And unfortunately, most of our environments weren't real. Because you can make reality and it's not even real. It's just what you created is real. And it'll seem like it is real because the things will bend backwards in order to create an environment that you think is real. And it'll be dead off. Man, I'm trying. What was I saying? She coming on the stage, or you? Oh, well, I mean. Oh, tripart being, as my wife comes up. Help her up. So you are a soul, you are a spirit. You live in a physical body, you have a soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? It is the will. It is the mind, it is the will, and that it is emotions. That is the soulish part of you. You know, that's why the Bible says, I'm getting ahead of myself, that's why the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says to renew your mind um, based on Christian principles. How many of you know that, that you are doing things and thinking things today you would have never done and thought? You only do it because you renewed your mind with the Bible. Okay? You would have been killed your husband. A soul tie can also be defined as a spiritual connection between two people who have been physically intimate with each other, or who have had an intense emotional or spiritual association or relationship. So it doesn't have to involve sex. You may have a girlfriend who this is your BFF. You all have an intense emotional relationship. You love each other. You're there for each other. You will, I mean, ride or die. You're right there for her. She's right there for you. And so you have a relationship, a very, very strong bond that you've created in your mind as well as your heart. And you're there for that person. So it can also be relationship that does not involve sex. Amen. And, and, And these are what soul ties are tied to. You can have soul ties to previous friends. Sexual partners, soul ties to families, 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 families. That's the reason why the Bible says when you get married, it says leave father and mother because you can have a soul tie to them. Uh Oh, don't get to fighting. Business relationships, sororities, secret societies like the Masons. Okay, I don't know why that kept coming up. And you can have uh, one of the biggest soul ties today in the church is soul ties to previous churches. That's why people there, there. I couldn't tell you how many people know they're supposed to leave the church, but they just can't. You know why? Because it's a major soul tie. I mean, they're being abused. They're being disrespected. Disrespected. They're not being heard. But yet they find they just can't find a way to leave. And they know should, they, they, they know they should leave. And yeah. this is how we do with relationships. I mean, men you've been with in your past, women you've been with in your past, you know this person is not good for you. They didn't treat you right. They they're selfish. They had I mean they have nothing good for you, and you can't find 
a way to leave. And this happens oftentimes with women or possibly even men when it comes to first loves. The first, the person you were supposed to be with first was supposed to be your spouse. And if that was not the case for you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But because of that, you can then go on with your life. You're now... Uh, saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're in a great church, and you meet someone wonderful, and you're with that person, but for some reason, your mind keeps going back to that other, indivi- other individual. And you think, well, that's my first love. I will always love that person. Now you've made a vow in your heart. There's a commitment in your heart that must be broken. You don't always have to love that person. That thing was dead and gone. That was out of God's order. And now you have this tie that has to be spoken and broken so you can be fulfilled in your marriage. And your husband can receive you and you can receive him. The husband can receive his wife and not have this past girlfriend on his mind. You can have a soul tied to a city. We know of an individual that uh, they, they got on drugs in this particular city, went on drugs for a long time. They moved to Georgia, and they got free from the drugs. And they stayed free from the drugs. And the person wanted to go back to the city. And we kind of warned them, don't go back to that city. Don't go back to that city. And because we sensed that it was a soul tied to that city. And they were like, no, no, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. And they had been here for a while, completely free from drugs. Went back to that city and immediately got back on drugs. Because the soul tie to that city had never been broken. Okay, I feel, I don't know why I keep, I'm going to just go ahead and do this. I'll just do this right here. This, um, I'm going to just go ahead and say this. I really don't care because I'm going to heaven anyway. Okay. Unfortunately, they can't see this. This represents the Masons. Now, I don't know exactly what the ceremony and all happens in the background, but I know it is occultic. Okay, okay. See, Always remember this. Whatever any society tries to hide, God just simply exposed. So, you know, all I got to do is spend one prayer session and the Lord will give me one dream and I'll be right there in the ceremony, whatever they're doing. Okay. But this is what happens. This represents this man. Okay. This represents that ceremony. Now, what happens is the ceremony might seem innocent. So he becomes a part of that ceremony. He becomes a mason. And now he's tied to that. But he thinks it's just a ceremony. What he doesn't realize is the first individual that started it 4,000 years ago that was using witchcraft and summoned demons in order to start the secret thing. 6,000 years later, when you have a little ceremony, what happened the first time you are not tied to forever. And although you didn't know exactly what you were doing. It still doesn't nullify the effect of that negative thing in your life because you have invited it. You have opened that door. You have invited that thing into your life. And it's the same thing when you're dealing with men and women in sexual relationships. You could have just met the person a couple of days ago. Boom. You had a drink. Things happen. And you have no idea what you have now opened the door to and what you have invited into your life because you don't know the individual. So I'm constantly sharing with women, don't give of yourself too much emotionally. Let it be a friendship. Let things build. Get to know one another. Take time because those red flags or things that might be red flags or things that might cause some questions, they will come out. If you're friends first and you talk and you go out and you talk and you go out and you talk. But when you are not taking time to talk to get to know one another and share with one another, you could enter into something that you wished you had never partaken of. And that thing will follow you for the next 10 years because you don't know how to get rid of it. 
And that's the unfortunate part. Or the great part about today is that we're able to, in the next several weeks, we're able to uncover things that, that ladies just tend to, tend to talk about. They have conversations about, men have conversations about, but you don't resolve anything. You just talk about it, you vent, but nothing has been resolved. You haven't gotten to the root of why you feel what you feel, why this thing seems to be tracing you now 15 years, and today, so it's wonderful that we can do this now to expose the enemy's tricks and his devices. Amen. And what we're going to do now is we're, gonna, we're just going to show you, prove to you from scripture that soul ties do exist. You know me. You know, I don't say, I don't make no statements, you know, that has not been proven thoroughly in the Bible. Okay. You, and. And see what this makes this what one of the things this makes you do is it makes you treat yourself like a queen and a king. It makes you pay attention to every person that comes into your circle of influence. I never forget a few years ago, right here in Atlanta, this is a lady that uh, went to our. Uh, well, this is lady that uh, what did that lady say? This lady popped up out the clear blue. I think she went to our previous church, but she found out Lorana had uh, six kids. And and um, and all of a sudden she wanted to come over and assist my wife with the household duties. Now that may that may seem okay, you know. Um, and it was it was a, it was an older lady, and um, but she wanted to come over and help her with the, the laundry and stuff like that. And my first red flag was I had to go pick her up. So now, okay, I'm not going to pick you up, and then I got to take you back so you can come. No, we got six slaves in our household. They can wash the clothes. Well, at the time, the children were really small. I mean, they do it now, but at the time, they were really small. And that could seem pretty attractive for me if I'm feeling like, man, I'm working from day, sun up to sundown, and hey, she's so nice, and she's willing to come and help me with laundry and help me with the house. So that could seem really attractive, right? But I'm extremely careful of who I allow in my home. I'm extremely careful of who I allow my time. I'm extremely careful. I don't take that lightly. And although it was really nice of her to offer, I had to think back in my mind, well, what are her motives? And it's she, unfortunate. I was, look, she might have been thinking, what are her motives? When, when she brought it up, I got this sick, nasty feeling in my stomach. And this is the deep part is, after that, I kept seeing the woman walking on the street close to our house. You know? This ain't the time to blow the horn. Hey, this is the time to put on your sunglasses and keep looking straight ahead. I didn't even want to know I was in. I mean, several times and every time I saw that woman walking on the street, I got this nasty feeling in my stomach because people have impure motives, impure motives. Uh, Nicholas and his wife shared at the Sunday location about Lord gave them dream about spiders. A lot of times if you dream about spiders, it means betrayal is right around. And a long story short, a woman that used to be her mentor. Her family member called and said, hey, my mama's in town, you know, can she stay with you all? How many of you know that if you have a mentor and this person was really instrumental in helping you in your life, you won't even pray, you just naturally let them in. And so, and so they went to pick the lady up at the bus stop and, they, and the husband said when they pulled up to the bus stop, he said his, his, his stomach dropped down to the ground. He said he knew something was up right then because she had all her bags with her. They brought her into the house. Long story short, Within, was it two, six weeks or something? She, uh, she ended up going to the authorities saying that the husband was molesting the children. And he was not. And they ended up losing that one child for like three months. And when the child came back, the child was having nightmares. And, and the child was angry at the parents thinking that he wasn't loved. And, 
and, and they're trying to repair that now. But all over what? One individual. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's your grandmama. I don't care if it's your... I shouldn't even be saying this. I don't care if it's your... Sometimes you don't even need to let your daddy in the house. I don't care if it's your daddy. I don't care if it's your cousin. But they saved my life back in 1952. Wonderful. That was 1952. They've changed now. Back then, they were a saint. Today, they Godzilla. If Godzilla changed your life in 1952, but today you know the Godzilla's going to eat you, were you going to let him in the house? And you know what we do is? We let our feelings and our ties to individual govern proper logic. It is our feelings that get us in trouble more than anything else. We feel, always remember this, you all, you are obligated to nobody for nothing, no matter what they did for you. When my wife and I help people financially and do things, they go, oh, thank you. Okay, wonderful. I, I don't, I don't, I forget. People got to remind us about stuff that we do because when we give, we tell people, when we give this to you, you are, this is not some tie. This is not some obligation where you owe us. You got to come through for us if we ever find ourselves in a situation. No, but that's what people do is they'll try to lord that over you and control you. Okay, so. so you have people try to come into your life for many, many different reasons. And for women, for particularly stay at home mom, that can be attractive. I mean, someone's going to come and help me. But why is she why is she offering to help you? Is she trying to get next to your husband? Does she want to try to find some way to move herself in? I mean, I had a girlfriend who had five children. She was a stay at home mom, needed help. And there was a woman who offered to help her. And she told me she was coming by to help. And it just seemed strange to me. Not the help, but the woman. The woman seemed odd to me, and I had not met the woman. Then the Lord gives my girlfriend a dream. She gives her a dream, and in the dream, um, the octopus dream. dream. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want me to, you know, you want me Okay. Y'all, who has not heard the purple octopus dream? Raise your hand if you have never heard the purple octopus dream. Okay, I got you. A lot of y'all have not heard it. All right. She wanted me to tell the story. Sometimes one of us is, she's usually better at recall than I am, so I don't know what's going on right now. Well, she wants me to tell something. Maybe I'm coming up. <laughs> but, but, but her girlfriend, okay, her girlfriend start making little, because this lady, she has a, an attractive husband, and, and she started making little comments, you know, little strange comments like, how many ladies, how many of you know that if your girlfriend, no matter how close you are to her, says something like this? Yeah, you know, let me know if you ever have to go out of town. I can come and I can take care of your husband and your children. See, see, they, they didn't even let the sentence get out. <laughs> they were like, oh, as soon as I said help, oh, no, 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 brother, no, no, that's the devil. They, brother, brothers got to think about, oh, my gosh, she wants to come help. We're clueless. And women like, you big old dummy. Oh, my wife said, tell the dream. Tell, tell the dream, honey. Tell the dream, please. So, so, the lady, so the lady is saying stuff like this. The lady is saying stuff like this. And so the lady had planned on coming to visit her from another state. So in between the time she was going to come visit, this girl has a dream. And in the dream, she says she walked out the front of her house, stepped on the sidewalk. And she says she looked down the sidewalk, which represents distance far away. And there was a purple octopus. And she said she just looked at the octopus and the octopus just looked at her and everything was fine. She said when her husband came out on the sidewalk, the octopus made a running start and, and then jumped on her husband and began to attack her husband. And the dream ended. Now, the woman's favorite color was purple. So the octopus was purple. Yeah. And she, the woman had dreadlocks. So no, 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 no. I got you. Oh. She's <laughs> trying to come up. Now she's trying to take me down. Okay. So, so 
So how she realized that the Lord was warning her about this woman is um, she wondered what the purple octopus meant. And about two, three weeks later, she called her girlfriend or her girlfriend called her. And you know how you talk to someone and you say, hey, what you been doing? Another boom, boom. She says, yeah, girl, I'm getting ready to come to town, you know, and I just left the salon and I, I just I had some uh, dreads put in my hair and I had them dyed purple. And so the Lord was warned. See how the Lord made a correlation between her girlfriend and octopus? In other words, you think this is your friend, but I'm showing you her nature. So that you cannot let this fool in your house. And next thing you know, you on the corner will marry for food because this woman took your husband. And she had already come into relationship with this person. But now as it's getting ready to go deeper, the Lord is trying to speak to her. And even when I'm trying to warn her, like, I don't think this is good. This doesn't sound right. doesn't feel right. I know I don't know the woman, but I don't have to, this doesn't feel right to me. I think you should stop this. The Lord had to give her a dream to speak to her to get her attention. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while that happens to me. I told him about a woman that came to our Sunday location one time. And the Lord warned me not to have anything to do with this lady. She walked in. She was very well dressed. And she came in. When she walked through the door, the Holy Ghost said, She's an evangelist looking for a new ministry to launch her platform. She came right Seducing spirit, coming right yeah. through the door. Yeah, she came running, come talk to me, you know. And it's a, it's a weird thing to have a person stand in front of you and talk, and while they're talking, you hear this. Wah, 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 and the Holy Spirit is telling you what they're saying. You hear them speaking, but the Holy Spirit is telling you what they're saying. Still right there in that hallway. And the lady was telling me, and all the time she's talking, the Holy Spirit can say, manipulation, manipulation, manipulation. She's just talking and everything, buttering me up and everything. Manipulation, manipulation. And sure enough, that's what she was doing. Find out later. All right. You have anything else? Yes. I'm sorry. So like for men, men have big egos. And that's good. God made you that way. But you know, words can be very flattering. Men need to be admired and respected. So she comes in and she tells him, come here. Oh, hey. So, so I had the microphone, but she, she obviously was not holding a microphone. You know, you're going to be bigger than, you know, you're such a great man of God. You're such an awesome, the awesome man of God. She's telling him these things, right? It sounds great, but on the inside, he's like, this does not feel right. Such an awesome man of God. Man, that was a, an amazing message. You're so intelligent. You're just so awesome. And you know, the Lord is telling me. The Lord is telling me. You're going to be bigger than T.D. Jakes. Bigger than Creflo Dollar. You're going to be, you're going to travel the world. And so, so for a man, that can be very enticing. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so here's two, here's two things here. The man has to be able to discern, okay, the woman and her motive. And the wife has to be, the wife has to be on her job. The man, it's very difficult for a man to fall prey when the wife is giving her husband all the wonderful words and things he needs to hear. He needs to be built up and admired and told how great he, even if he's not great, tell him anyway. Speak it by faith. You are awesome. You are dynamic. You are amazing. Tell him anyway. Because that will help encourage him. Like, man, I've been raggedy, but you know what? Let me go here because my wife think I'm the bomb. I mean, we left, we left church one day, and my husband's like, well, was that okay? I'm like, oh, man, you were awesome. That was great. He said, man, it's nothing like a good wife to build you up when you feel so bad. Amen. So it didn't matter what I felt. I'm like, oh, you were bad. That was great. Prayer was great. The word was great. You were awesome. I enjoyed it, you know. So you need to be able to speak those right words so that he does not fall prey. And then he can recognize when a crazy woman is coming through the door. And, if, and, you know, and let me say this. If, if you have not put your hope, your trust, and God's ability to get you the right person at the right time, because the only, because the, let me tell you what the Lord, because she was right. The lady was saying all of that type of stuff. And, you know, and I was just like, something wrong with this. And I couldn't pinpoint it. 
Women can pinpoint a meeting. The woman walked through the building, and, the woman, and all the women are like, devil. And brother's like, oh, no, no, she's not the devil. Give, give her a chance. And, oh, no, be, be nice to her. Be kind to brothers her. Brothers are great. slow when it comes to that. Slow. Women know the future before it even shows up when it comes to that. Can I get them an amen, sisters? Oh, amen, goodness. sisters. Amen. Brothers, that, that's what I'm telling you. Brothers be messed up if for these women. Okay? All of us be going to hell because women were running the church for years. We're we here right now because of the women. Okay? But, but so I'm riding down... It's, it's how these conversations the Lord has with me after service are amazing. I'm riding down the freeway headed home from Riverdale. And, and I am really pondering this girl. And I'm like, what is it with this girl? And then this is when, this is when the Lord won't expose everything. He'll just say this one thing to let you know. And some of you heard this before. He said, if she was of me, why would I send one of my servants to speak a word to another servant? By comparing you to other servants, when in the scripture I said to compare yourselves one to another is not wise. See, so so if you're looking for all of this, oh, I want to be the next glorious pastor and take over the name, all that type of stuff, then that feeds into your being and you miss the Lord telling you, snake. The deep part is the Lord had warned me about the girl in the dream. He had warned me about the girl in the dream. In the dream, she was a little small puppy. When we brought her into the house, she turned, she was still a small puppy, but she turned into more like a pit bull nature. And Lord, oh, me two weeks before she showed up. Yeah, but we were still learning the whole dream thing. So, all right. All right. First Samuel chapter 18. These are some examples of soul ties and scriptures. We're going to run through these so you can have a foundation. First Samuel 18, 1 through 4. Now, it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's household. In other words, David brought, Saul brought David into his house. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. When I was putting this together, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, make sure, and giving the example, he said, make sure you address this because I don't want, there, there are men that are in the homosexual lifestyle, that they scour the scriptures looking for a way to pervert. Took off his robe. He loved him. See, that proves right there? No, that proves that. No, no, never mind. Okay. okay. So that word knit, when it says that the soul of Jonathan was knit, it literally means to be bound or tied together. It was a literal soul tie. But, and this is the example that the Lord gave me. You know, I mean, no, sometimes you can miss it if you're trying to look for some a holy grail. He gave me an example. He said, tell the congregation, bad boys. Okay. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Remember the relationship that they had? Bad boys for life. We ride or die. That was the perfect example of a soul tie. Do y'all remember in the second one, I believe it was the second one, when Martin Lawrence was considering getting another partner? Yeah. And Will Smith couldn't take it? Soul tie. Nothing sexual. But it was the strongest bond between friends. It was an actual soul tie. So much so that when Martin Lawrence was thinking about getting another partner, Will Smith couldn't take it. Okay? And then they end up coming back together. Well, that's the same type of deal here with Jonathan and David is that they loved each other like two police officers who if one ever gets killed, the other police officer can't function for months because it is a soul tie in between friends. So that's a soul tie in between friends. Acts uh, 4.32, this is pretty good, isn't it? Acts 4.32, this is a soul tie amongst church family. 
It says, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to them was his own, but all things were common property to them. That word soul is the Greek word psyche. Um, it's where we get the word psychology from. Um, psychiatric. Okay, psycho. Um, it means that which is responsible for one's thoughts, feelings, and reasonings. So because this church family spent time, that's why, watch this, let me know, Lionheart, or if you go to another place, same thing. How many know, Lionheart, that if somebody amongst us hasn't been to church in about two to three weeks, we usually ask, where's such and such? That's the soul tie. Okay? You, you end up fellowshipping with people and your, emer- your emotions and your ways end up rubbing off on each other. Okay? So much so that if that person tries to break out, okay, your soul begins to long for them. Right. Where are they at? And people are all the time. You know, sometimes I have to tell people, hey, congregation asking for you. I'm sorry, I've been out of town for two, three weeks. Let us know. That was excellent because I was, when we were, when he was reading over there, I thought about that. When I'm not here or when I don't see people for a couple of weeks, I mean, my, my heart does long for people. Like, where are they? And I have to text them, call them. I'm definitely praying for them. I mean, I'll just, I mean, I'll have somebody, I'll see somebody's face and I'll carry her for days. I'm like, Lord, what do I do with that? Do I just keep praying for her? Do I call her? Is she in trouble? I mean, when women then come to the church and I hug them, I mean, I can feel they've been going through something. And so, I mean, that's the great part about being a part of a family, for those to look out for you, to pray for you. I mean, because you think about them, you want to be a part of their special occasions, and although we can't be a part of everything, you want to share in those moments in their lives because our souls are knit together. Amen. Now, here's Genesis 34, 1 through 3, King James Version. We're bouncing back and forth with the versions in ASB and King James. This is a soul tie based on fornication. Fornication is sex with someone that you're not married to. That's the basic. And it says, and Dina, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Sechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Watch verse three. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the damsel, he thought, and spake kindly unto the damsel. That word clave, it means to cling or to stick together like glue. Oh, I know what she was doing. (laughs) I see you using an example. I got you, I got you. Sorry, I messed that one up. Try again, try again. Um, So that's what it means. It means to cling or to cleave together like glue. So it's amazing how she did not, doesn't say anything about her feeling about this way about him. But it came about because of sex. Okay, came up because he had sex with this girl one time, slept with her immediately as soon as he saw her. And it says that his soul began to cling to this girl. Okay, we call it sometimes getting under your skin or, you know, sometimes you, you know, all most of us, if not all of us in the dating season of your life, you were sleeping with someone. And if they broke it off, you were an emotional wreck. Okay, you were an emotional wreck. I thank God for my emotional wreck. Because three months later, I met her. Okay. You know, we're getting ready to marry somebody that was the devil. Man. Any of you have ever seen somebody you were going to marry and you see them on Facebook 15 years later? Oh, oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, I just want to give you the praise. Oh, God, thank you. Man. 
We don't mention no names. Okay, so that's an example of a soul tie with fornication. I mentioned that earlier about how you have sex with someone and it was not physical. The physical was actually the weakest part. The soulless realm and the spirit were the strongest part. And it's very mysterious. We still don't know exactly how this works because we don't really get a chance to see the invisible a whole lot. But you can see it by, by all of these things. So let's look at the next one. Genesis 34. Genesis 34, verse 4. Seek him speck unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. He had already slept with her, and now he wanted to marry. Jacob heard that he had defiled Dina, his daughter. Now his sons were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they came. Okay. And Hamor, the son of Sechem, went out to Jacob to commune with him. And the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved. They were very angry because he had wrought folly in Israel in lying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not so to be. Hamor communed with them, saying, the soul of my son Sechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give her him to wife. That word longeth means to be attached to. He has sex with this girl one time. He has sex with his girl one time. And when he left, his soul stayed. Okay, and no matter where this girl was, it was like he was he was following he was following her around. Were you about to say something? Because I was about to add something. Well, hold on. I don't know why I'm about to whisper in her ear, but this is what happened. So this is what happens with fornication, and that's why you can sleep with someone, and because of the emotion, okay, you force yourself to cleave to someone, and it can give you the impression that you actually love this individual. And that's why you then will do it again and stay with the individual that is actually the devil versus if you kept yourself sexually pure, then what happened is your eyes will stay open and then the Lord will begin to show you the real individual. Okay. And that's very, very important. I understand it can be a little bit difficult, but like I told them at the Sunday location one time, if there was a law that said if you had sex one time with somebody you're not married to, you got AIDS, how many of all of us would be holy, holy, pure and clean as the driven snow? So we have sex because we want to. We allow our flesh to govern ourselves, you know, and it's sad because y'all, you know, it used to be a thing where it was men who were the predators. Mm -hmm. The number one call that I get from men around the United States is Christian men who are trying to live holy and the women are trying to take them down. Women are after them. Say, man, these dudes are now scared to go out on dates with Christian women because, man, I'm trying to live holy and pure and she's trying to put it on me. You know, and, and, and I'm going to say this out here. It's not for everybody. I'm going to say this. If a man keeps trying to have sex with you, it could be a conquest. If a woman keeps trying to have sex with you, it could be a trap. Okay. I say certain things for certain individuals, you know. <clears throat> All right. Proverbs 632. And Proverbs 632. It says, whoso commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He that doeth it destroys his own what? Soul. Okay. That word destroys means when you have sex with a woman you're not married to or a man you're not married to, you literally corrupt yourself, pervert yourself, injure yourself, and you begin to rot like an old piece of wood. But you don't see that. That stuff shows up later when now your relationships are just tore up, can't get along with the spouse. You know, you just... You know, or you come to the conclusion that there's no good men out here, okay? 
Now men are saying there's no good women out here. Okay. And I'm, I'm like, no. Okay. You, you always remember this. Like my wife always says, it's hilarious. You only need one man. You know, that's why, you know, some, some, okay. I should say a few because most black women don't think this way. But this foolishness about they taking our black men. First of all, <clears throat> these black men don't belong to you. Number two, you don't need them all. You only need one if you can hang on to that one. Number three, okay, you might want to consider your options. You can get mad at the brothers all you want to for marrying somebody else, but you might want to do the same. Then you have people who they come up with their own philosophies. Well, you know, they only like light-skinned women. Stop. You pay att- I pay attention. You pay attention. And so far from what I have seen, 90% of a Caucasian men and Asian men who marry black women are dark-skinned women. But if you get in your mind, men only like something that is the opposite of you, then guess what you're going to draw? Only the ones who like the opposite of what you created. I don't understand. I want to say so many things, but this is the first session right now. Mark's just staring right down. That's her trap. Keep it, keep it together. Keep it together. <clears throat> so, says you destroy your own soul. Now, not only do you destroy your own soul, but you destroy somebody else's soul. Okay? I'll tell you one of the most weird experiences that I ever had in my life that taught me how this works. Okay? Now, watch this. Make sure let me scour the audience here. Yeah, that's true. My wife said, it's too late for that dog. You might as well just keep on going. Um, I always use this example. This is a mature example, and I'm going to give you an experience that happened to me. Show you how dangerous this is. You are a spiritual being, and you are always sending out signals to make stuff happen. That's the reason why what's in your life right now, you drew it. You are a magnet. You draw what you are. You draw what you are. Hey. So you're always sending out a signal. And let me give you another example. Ladies, if you're married or if you're not, you know that if, like, for example, if a man thinks about, if a man thinks about his wife in a sexual manner, his mind will try to make it real by sending signals to what's between his legs. And there'll be a reaction because there's a signal sent. He wasn't doing anything. But if I think about her that way, a signal goes into motion. Okay, why? You're always sending on a signal. That's why you got to be careful who you latch on to because you think is attractive, especially if they're married. You can see a married person that's attractive and say, that's a wonderful flower that belongs to somebody else's garden. Hallelujah. <laughs> my previous, my previous uh, pastor, Bishop Butler, he had all the men stand up. I want to teach all of the men the holy turn. Wow, she is fine. <laughs> Man, she was on aisle six. Now she's on aisle seven. Because whoever you latch on to, they can feel it. Let me show how strong this is. Got in trouble for sharing this, but I got some men delivered. Had an experience one time. We moved we were here in Austale. And this is the most alarming thing that ever happened to me. I was up late, fooling around, playing some little car game on Xbox. I think the rest of the family was asleep. I don't know if it was 11 or 1 in the morning or whatever. I'm just playing this little thing. And just chilling out. And all of a sudden, like you turn on a light switch, boom. This woman that I recognized at the previous church I went to was in my being. And I couldn't shut her off. It would be the equivalent of taking me and placing me on the inside of Lorana. And I'm sitting there. 
You know, now, now ladies, and I mean, this is happening to a typical lady that's a Christian. She's going to get up, start praying, and she's going to cast the devil out. Brothers sit there and analyze. And, but and I was just so confused. I was like, what is this? Because this was a nice looking girl, but I had zero attraction to this girl. Zero. I would never ask her on a date if I was single. Okay? <laughs> but she's just there, just like in my being, almost like a movie. And she's just there. I can see her face, and she's just there. And I cannot get this woman off my mind. And I'm just playing the game and everything, but I'm playing the game, and I'm trying to figure out why am I thinking about this girl. This lasted for about 15, 20 minutes. And then just like it shut on, just like you shut off a light switch, boom, turned off. Okay? Stuff like that happens to me. I go, and I, I just ask the Lord a question. What was that? When that turned off, boom. Okay? And, he's, and then I said, what was that? Then, boom, the Lord turned on a vision while my eyes were open. Now, he didn't show me the, the intimate details, but when he turned this on, he said, let me show you what it was. He showed me that this girl was masturbating while thinking about me. Now, you know, I, I shared this in one lady in the audience. Who does he think he is? Denzel Washington? Fool, this is a... <laughs> You can look like boo-boo on a stick and somebody is going to think you attractive. I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm all that. People just always, she's going to be single for the rest of her life. Watch. Okay? What the Lord was showing me was that whoever you latch on to, okay, this woman was in her bedroom in another spot, but because she had me on her mind, spiritual forces went into motion to make real what she imagined. So let me share this part. So now you, so now you feel confused. Yes. Like what's wrong with me? Yes. Is there some kind of secret something inside of me? And there's nothing there. It's the other person drawing you to them or attempting to anyway, much like how witchcraft and the occult and things work. And so that's what led me to even study about soul ties. I'm thinking, well, that's not real. I mean, I hear people talk about it, but that can't be real. What, what is that? What is it? So as I began to study, and I asked the Lord, what does this mean? Show me what this is. And so you have this example of this other woman just trying to draw, uh, draw him into her. She's thinking about him. And it's people doing this all. I mean, we don't know. It's the invisible things that happen. And so you feel some kind of way. And you're thinking, is it me? Is it the devil? Is it my past? Is something coming? I mean, is it spiritual? What is this? And you always have to go back to the Lord. I mean, ask him to show you what it is. I mean, that's what I mean by we're more passionate. We are more powerful than we would ever imagine. And that's why the Bible talks. You very you don't hear a lot of teaching on it, but the Bible talks a whole lot about our mind, what we think on, imaginations, what you dwell on, talks about what you look on. You know, now you understand why the Bible would say if a man looks on a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's actually committed to sin. He's already did it. Because if he had power, an opportunity, he would do it. Yeah, no, not that too, but power went into motion to try to force this thing to happen. You have no idea. It is the law of faith. Whatever you create as your reality, okay, then forces go into motion on their own to try to make that reality in the physical realm. And that's why you got to be fair. If you see somebody fine, okay, now single people, I tell people, you should be looking. Okay, you single men. Married men and women, holy term. Just wonderful. I don't even look because I, I don't even. I, and, no, and then, and then, then, this is amazing to me. And this is, a, I think this might be a woman thing. I don't know. But, but then it gets worse, particularly the ones that think they fine. You know, you walk in the room, you walk in the gym, and when you don't even glance at them, then it seems like they try, they try to get your attention. They try harder. <laughs> I'm just like, really? So whatever. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so, all right, last one. Second Samuel 13. We're just introducing this. We're going back over this and going. When I tell you, whoo, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Now, this is what you call, y'all probably never heard this before. This is called a one-sided soul tie. Now, it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself sick for she was a virgin. And it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. That word frustrated means to bind and to be vexed because of it. And this is what you call a one sided soul tie. Now, some of these we're only reading part because we're going back, go back and read the end of these. Like the previous one we read where the guy had sex with the girl really, really quick and his soul cleaved. You know, the brothers didn't appreciate that. So they plotted for two years to kill him and they got it done. So he never got a chance to see the girl again. This is a different outcome with this one. OK, but but um, uh, he never had sex with the girl. <laughs> really didn't even spend time with her. He just saw her. And this boy, it says that this he created his own soul tie. He had this girl on his mind so much that he started getting sick. It does not mean that he made himself sick to get her attention. It means that because of he was of him being so consumed with this girl and wanting her, he started to get sick. OK. And then you read the rest of that. You're going to see what his friend. Did. We're going to talk about friends. OK. But this is something I'm going to say this. And I know that there are different. This is this is more of a general statement, but it, I think it bears true. And, and sometimes you may see my wife right up here or disagree with something. What would I say? And it, which is fine, because sometimes you'll bring an opposite opinion. But, but this is the reason why, in most cases, a man and a woman that are around the same age cannot be friends. They can't. It's impossible. It's impossible, because the reason why you start spending time with someone is because you like them. You like, they're funny. You know, they, 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 they treat you nice, or they're a nice person, and et cetera. And so you have to be very careful because somebody will say, well, let's go out together as friends. And you're like, cool. That's brothers. Cool. Boom. Let's hang out. Okay, we, you might, let me, what's the scenario? We, you know, um, I had a friend, well, I'll, I'll use my friend. You know, she might say, what's something you could go to? Let's go to Alvin Alley. Okay. I got some tickets. Let's go to Alvin Ailey. Okay. Well, the brother's like, cool. He just want to go to Alvin Ailey. He's just like, well, hey, we're just going out and she's paying for it. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. But you don't know that in the back of your mind that this person is doing this because they like you. And there's a difference if a man likes you versus a woman likes you. When a woman likes a man, women are moved more by personality than looks. Men are moved more by looks than personality. That's why a man... He'll pay for a prostitute to accompany him to some great ball because he's interested in making himself look good because she good look. Women, they're more interested in how you make them feel. So now you go on a date with the girl and now you're sitting here and at the Avenue and the orchestra, the concert, whatever it is, whatever it is. I don't know nobody's personal business. Ain't nobody called me and told me, no, you got to say that because I don't know what's going on. Okay, you do that and you're just sitting there enjoying the concert. But the woman is like, this is so romantic. Creating a soul tie, don't even know it. A one-sided soul tie. And then he's being just a nice gentleman. He said, oh, man, you look so pretty. I love your hair. Oh, God. And she's like, oh, thank you. And then he'll tell her, man, you smell really good. I like your cologne. What is it? Oh, 
Now she treats them as though he's his, her husband or man. Now she's upset. Now she's mad. You know why? Because you created the soul tie. That's why I tell people when you date, I'm not into romantic dating. I'm into, let's be clear. I'm taking you out. I don't mean it being rude and all that type of stuff. <laughs> Mind going out? Okay. Let me, t- let me tell you. The- Did you need to finish? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let me tell you the proper way to date. You see somebody and she's fine. Okay, you don't need to. Yeah, you don't need to do that. She's fine. That's the, the first attraction is she's fine. When I saw her, it was not the, the Holy Ghost did not speak. Didn't have nothing to do with the Word of God. Didn't have nothing to do with my Holy Ghostlessness. Didn't have nothing to do. She was fine, and I walked up to her and asked her out. I didn't ask her for no Bible study. I didn't ask us to go pray together. I didn't ask us to go to church to the night service. I asked her, can we go to the movies? And the first movie we saw was Jurassic Park. And then we went to Hart Plaza, sat by the river. Hey, so that's what you do is you see her. And well, in order to keep these girls protected, because women are made up this way, you go out to grow with a girl with a girl twice. She didn't already got her last name. She didn't already planned a wedding. She didn't already planned the next six dates, all that. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. That's what I'm son. hearing. I believe, he's, I believe he's the man of my dreams. I believe he's it. Well, until he what, do you know about him? Yeah. what do you know about him? You've been on two dates. What do you know? Well, we spent, we've been on the phone for five hours talking about what? I was on the five hours with Comcast, too. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we rationalize stuff when we really want something. Yeah. We create all type of stuff. We pervert and twist yeah. scriptures. We add stuff to the Bible that does not even exist nowhere, even with false religions, in order to get this man. Go on a date with her. After a few times, you talk. Okay? And then you say... You have to tell her in most cases, all right? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really liking you. I'm really feeling you. You know, I'd like for us to maybe start dating a little bit more. Then you have to say, I'm not saying you're my girlfriend. And I am not saying that you're my wife. What I'm saying is, is I think we should talk. We should consider. We should continue dating, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know, to and see if to we know can, one another. Getting one another. Getting to know one another. Not sleeping together. Yeah, not sleeping together. Getting to know one another to see if possible. And if she agrees to that, now she's clear about your motives. And you have to end it by saying, now I understand this possibility that we might not be compatible for each other and I don't want you to feel bad. Okay? So then once, and, and, and let me say this. These brothers that sit up here and have to pray for two years to figure out she the one, dude, sit your behind down. You, but dude, for most, in most cases, unless a guy has some particular issues or it's just not his time to get married or he has some stuff that he's trying to get together, most guys know within three months. They just know within three months or less. They know if it's the one, okay? So once you believe it's the one, you say, okay, you know what? I really like for us to consider some serious stuff here, boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And you you, you keep it clear. Now, that may not even work, but I'm saying you at least try to keep it clear. But but you have to be careful. Women have to be careful because when you have sex with a man, it can create a one-sided soul tie where the man thinks he's in love with you because the sex was so good. But women, when you just 
if you just go out with a guy, even if your intentions were pure, the scenario is still what would be considered a great date for a woman. She went out with a nice guy. They went and listened to some nice music. They got something to eat. If he made one compliment, it puts you in the mode. I have to share a personal example from my own life. I was working in corporate America. I would get to work in the morning fairly early. And I pretty much like to smile and greet people and make them feel special. Not going overboard. I was like, hey, good morning. I'm smiling. I'm, I'm pleasant. I'm nice. And I would do that every morning. Every morning, day in and day out. I would come in. I would come and go. Even in the evening, I would go home. It was a long day. I would still, good evening, have a nice night to the security guard. Right? I was not attracted to the guy. Didn't like the guy. Didn't want him to ask me out. I wasn't flirting with the man. He was just not my type. Nice guy. He was doing his job. I was being a nice girl. I come in, he has gifts for me. I didn't accept not one gift. But I opened it because I said, well, I want you to open it and see it and everything. And I opened the gift. This brother buys a keychain. And he puts my name on one side. And he puts his name on the other side. That's so a now, woman foolishness right there. So now he has created in his own mind, I believe this is my wife. And I want to get with her. I'm going to buy her some nice gifts. She'll accept the pretty scarf and all that. And I just told me it was really nice. I appreciated the gesture, but I could not accept his gifts. I wasn't taking anything from that man into my, to my desk, to my car, into my home. I didn't take anything from him. Then I had another example where I was at church. I mean, that guy was kind of scary to me. He was kind of creepy to me. I was at oh, church. I remember this guy. I don't even know. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I just, the guy at church. It just hit me. I remember him. Yes. The guy at church, now he really was creepy. And I went to go tell the assistant pastor on this guy. I was like, get him. Get him before I have to cut this dude. Because he was like stalking me. And it was scary. I mean, I just smile. Hey, how you doing? That's it. I didn't give anybody my phone number. I'm just smiling. I'm pleasant. I'm happy. I'm loving. I'm kind. And boom, here he comes sniffing. I bought you some gifts. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, and, I mean, the guy kept following me around. So I felt really nervous. I thought my life was in danger. Let me go tell the assistant pastor. So it's really crazy how women can also do the same thing. I mean, you remember the movie. I mean, it's a really old movie, Fatal Attraction. And they have an affair. And that one became fixated on that man. And that word is very powerful, fixated. So the guy on the job, fixated. I mean, just, I'm like, what in the world? So I didn't respond. Well, I, like, man, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Look at that. You know, my name and his name. Oh, okay, well, thank you. That was really nice. But I, I'm sorry, I can't accept your gifts. Well, why? Are you seeing somebody? No, no, I'm not seeing anybody. I should have said, yes, I'm almost engaged. I should have engaged. I'm a mayor. I should have told him that. But that brother, whoo. Let me tell y'all, lady, something, and me and something. When you're single and you don't want to be bothered, get yourself a fake wedding ring. <laughs> just suck her right on. Okay, if you got if you have a problem with guys approaching you and they, and that's the that's the one thing that's to get rid of the guy. Now sometimes that doesn't work all the time, but it's one of the best methods. I'm sorry, work. I'm in a serious committed relationship with somebody. You didn't have to tell him it was Jesus. That's who it is, but that's what you do in order to get rid of the dude. Okay, I mean that's, it's just that's crazy. We, that's crazy. I mean because I mean we had to have a conversation one time because sometimes ladies and men, your personality is very inviting. See, and part of this is, is that she had an anointing already on her to be that way because she didn't know her. She was going to end up being in full-time ministry as a pastor's wife. And you need to be very, very inviting. The scripture says that. So we go, we go in places together, shopping together. She walk in the door and, and, and I'm her and, and, and this the salesman. We walk in together. She walk up to the guy. Hey, how you doing? And he looking at me like, fine. <laughs> 
this must be your brother because the way you're talking to me. So I had to tell her, stop going up in these stores talking to these men like this. Ignore these fools. But wait, I had, I had another situation. I'm about 20, I'm about 20, 21 years old. An older gentleman at my church used to be at the bar with my mama, you know? I mean, and I was saying, he got, now she had gotten saved, he got saved. I see him back and forth, hey, how you doing? I'm smiling. And so one day in the parking lot, he just tells me, you know, uh, you know, I'm really old enough to be your dad. And I think you're a nice young lady, you know, you're pretty, you know, have a really nice smile, you're godly, but I'm just, I'm just too old for you. I thought, like you approached them. Like, I want this man, right? So in order to keep his ego intact, Mm. I just told him, oh, yeah, I understand. Okay, thanks. I did not want that man. Dude, you're too old. You are not my type. But to keep his ego in check and tell him, like, look, dude, I don't know what kind of stuff you on right now, but I didn't do any of that. I just said, okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I walked away like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I cannot believe he thought I really wanted him because I was so nice and friendly. And he's like, man, this little young girl want me. No, I don't. Y'all, and, and that's, you know what, the thing that you got to remember more than anything else. Do not entertain individuals, particularly of the opposite sex, that you have no interest in, unless it's in a group setting. Okay? You might even want to consider, you know, you know, and I'm not saying that, that there's some things you do have to let go. You know, you might be single and, and a guy might get you something for your birthday, but you got to really be careful with that. You know, we got to be really be careful with that because... And, and, and granted, people always remember this. There was always going to be something about you that other people think are beautiful. And the more beautiful you become on the outside, the inside, soulless realm, money, prosperity and everything, you can be a whole package to individuals and you start to attract all type of stuff. Because like I told my kids all the time, I said, look, I said, because of how you are as kids, you know, we were talking about their school, not here. We we're talking about their school. I said, all of the parents going to want their kids to spend time with y'all because of how you all are. But we'll be attracting all type of bad stuff when it comes to us. OK, so you got to be very, very careful. This and you starting to understand that with this first one, you have to really, 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 really pay attention to your circle of influence. You got to be very, very careful who you let come into your life. You have to protect that. That's the one thing that you should protect more than anything else is who you let come into your inner circle. And a lot of this stuff is innocent. It really is. But you can get your trouble. You can get yourself in trouble. We got we got I made the one mistake, one mistake that'll never happen again. And we knew this girl from Detroit. She came down here and I felt sorry for her. And I sent her to over pastor's heart, pastor's heart, pastor's heart gets you in trouble. I got that warning from a secretary years ago. She said, because, you know, at the Detroit church, you know, this, this girl didn't have a job and all that. And I was, I convinced them to hire her and, and they, we got her the job because of me and she wasn't performing right. And when they tried to fire her, they found out she was a witch. So that was to my credit. Pastor's heart gets you in trouble. My, I cannot tell you how many times, how many times somebody is coming in from out of town. They need to stay with us. No, they don't. <laughs> Can't tell you how many times. Pastor Hart gets you in trouble. You have that shepherd's heart. So, you know, this girl from Detroit, she didn't really have a place, so I sent her to stay with my sister. I knew something was wrong because my sister takes in anybody. She got three adopted kids right now. Sent to my sister. My sister called me back two weeks later. Come get this chick right now before I, she end up in the cemetery. 
And then you know how you think, oh, it must be something wrong with my sister. We brought that girl into our house and my wife allowed it. That will never happen. That girl acted such a fool. When I tell, my wife spent her birthday driving this girl around to help her find a job. That's how much we the girl. She had access to our full house, our vehicles, our, everything. And that girl acted a, it got to the point where she wouldn't even come out the room. She was keeping all the trash in the room. And then she, this is a mistake. This is a mistake with any woman, especially this one. She asked me, she tried to turn me against my wife. And I was downstairs when it happened. And uh, my wife went upstairs and who is it? Open the door. I'm praying right now. Cares not. Open the door before I kick this door in. I was like, oh, God. Now, I know you can't imagine sweet old little me doing Mm-mm. anything so crazy. I was like, this girl about to lose her life. She about to lose her life. So you got to be very careful. And sometimes you learn by mistakes, but you don't ever want to make a mistake. And it's the wrong mistake. Because yeah. the wrong mistake can mess you up. Yeah. Okay, so let's do this because we need to close this down. Because we're going to be talking about this for weeks. Uh, Psalm 23, 1 through 3. We want to end this on a good note. Regardless to what has happened in the past, everything can be restored. Amen. You can, uh, you know, I've shared this with different individuals. It matters not how many people that you slept with. That's right. According to the scripture, even your virginity can be restored. Amen. It really can. The Bible says all things are possible. Okay. Um, that, the, that complete state of being physically and emotionally can be returned 100% as though you never had sex with anybody. That's quite possible. Okay, and that's why the scripture says, Psalm 23, 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores it. Psalm 19, 7. It says the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God. What is the will of God? That which is good, acceptable and perfect. First John 1, 9, last scripture. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's twofold there. Forgiveness is not just forgiveness when it comes to God. What he's saying is, whatever you have done, not only, now you got to confess it. That's your part. Then we'll do the part that you cannot do. We will forgive you. And then we will do the best that we can to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, you went and played in the mud with a white shirt on after we told you not to. When you got out the mold, you said you were sorry. So not only did we forgive you for playing in the mud, we took your white shirt and put it on our washing machine. So when you put it back on, it'll seem like you were never in the mud in the first place. Amen. That's what cleanses you from all unrighteousness is. Where not only we will forgive you, we will do the best of our ability to clean you up to such a degree to look like you never went into that situation in the first place. Amen. So it, that's possible. So, you know, we are in a moment You know, I'm going to say a general prayer, but part of what you have to do is there are some things that you do and you can pray too early. Uh, This is one of those messages where you need to go home and you need to start creating a log of you got to go and you have to. Let me tell you the best scenario is for you to go home 
You have to spend some time praying in the spirit, praying in tongues and say this, Holy Spirit, I need you to reveal to me because sometimes, how many know we love to deceive ourselves? Okay. We love to deceive ourselves. We act like nothing is wrong. Lord, I need you to reveal to me anything or any person that is in my life that I'm still tied to that is affecting my emotions or my forward movement. And it can be a previous marriage. It can be a family member. It can be a financial business or a transaction. It can definitely 100% be a church. It can be friends. It can be people. It can be, if you're a man, it can be man and females you had a relationship with. If you're a woman, it could be men and women you have a relationship with. You got to do this. And the Holy Spirit will then bring to your attention certain things. The Holy Spirit is different for each one of us because it's individuals. Sometimes one of the major things you should do is get rid of everything that's attached to that. Okay? If a man gave you some lingerie, burn it. Okay? Okay, if you, some, sometimes people like to keep pictures of, of, of a previous love. They're married, but they keep pictures of a previous love somewhere hidden in a sock drawer. Okay, rip that thing up, set a flame to it. Make the fire alarm go off. There's absolutely no reason to keep those pictures. None, There's zero. no reason to keep those gifts. There's absolutely no reason. And, you, and if you want to keep them, if you don't want to reject them and let them go, you have to ask yourself, why am I hanging on to it? as long as you hang on to it, you are tied to that individual. And this, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's the, the thing to important, it's very important to remember this. Whatever any person gave you, it still has their DNA and their presence on it. Whether it be a letter, okay. The Lord taught me something years ago. My wife showed me a picture of a man. When I saw him, it was a picture of a pastor. When I saw him, I said, he's homosexual. How do you know that? I said, because still pictures still carry the presence of the live individual. We only see the physical, but everything behind the scenes is energy. The person was energy, so was the picture. So when I saw the picture, I could see the real person. That's how when you see spiritually, you don't see what other people see, okay? Everything has a presence to it. It carries it. That's the reason why. You ever, it's amazing to me, you know, men commit, cr men commit crimes. And where they committed the crime, because of technology, we learned that they always leave evidence. Sometimes it's DNA, okay? One of the things that they have not been able to, they have not been able to create machines that can do this, but, but there's, there's a, you could do it, but they don't have the ability to do it, is you, wherever you commit a crime, when you leave that scene, it's not the DNA, your presence is still there. And if they could create a machine, they could just create a machine to see that your presence and the presence would tell them what you did. Remember when Abel was killed? What did God say? His blood is crying to me from the ground. There's no such thing as you ever doing anything and not leaving a print. We hear about thumbprints, but we leave body prints. We leave spiritual prints, emotional prints, physical prints. We leave DNA. We leave tissue. We leave spiritual substances. We leave emotional things in regards to all you do. And so sometimes individuals came into your life and they were sent by the devil. Sometimes it was you drew them into your life because of how you think and they left a print. And you got to get rid of that print. Sometimes they left a mark. You got to get that mark repaired. Okay. But the Bible says God restores our soul. He says he will forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And said that the word of God will restore our soul. And I said the Lord is our shepherd. So you might need to go home. Okay. And let me, I'll, I will I'll add this before we pray. Because the same, you break soul ties the same way that they were started. Through words and actions. When the guy asked you for a date, what did you say? Yes. When he asked you for a second date, you said yes. 
When he asked you to come up to his apartment, you said yes. When he asked to have sex with you, you said yes. It was a series of yeses along with your actions that produced a soul tie. So it's a series of no's along with your actions that break it. No, because there might be somebody you having sex with right now. So you say, no, I now break this and I refuse it. Lord, forgive me and I break this thing that I have created and then it's broken through words. And sometimes people, they need extra help and extra deliverance and we have ministers that can do that and you can reach out to us, okay? But, because uh, it is by faith and different people on different levels of faith. The greatest soul tie that will ever be created was through words. I now take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it was through words. It was through words. Okay? And so you can also break stuff with words. It was a series of yes and no. Yes and no. No, I no longer refuse. I no longer will allow myself to have sexual relations with this individual. No, I will not keep this picture. No, I will not keep this lingerie. No, I will not keep this card. No, I will not keep this letter. No, I will not keep their phone number. No, I will not call them back. All of these series of, of no's. No, I will not keep my phone number. Yeah, you have I will to change, change that. my number. I will not allow myself to have to anyone to have access to me that way to invade my life and just just be intrusive to my email, to my phone number, to my mama's house or whatever. If they have access to you, you need to cut that as well. Yeah, so it's, it's you, but this is what I mean by we can't do a general thing. This is what you call personal responsibility. You have to get before God yourself and say, Lord, I need you to show me what is going on here. Because sometimes there are things tied to you that are ancient. They are old. Okay. Uh, these things are passed down. They're called familiar spirits. Some of these things run through your family member. There's always a spirit of God that is assigned to a family member. There's always a spirit of the Antichrist that is assigned to a family member. And they love to keep that family member in the same vice. That's why the same issues generally run with the same families. One family member, everybody's alcoholic on drugs. Another family member, all of the men divorce their wives. Okay? Another family member, nobody goes to school. Another family member, no, another family, nobody ever gets married. Okay? Oh, and so, so you have all of these different type of things and it's nobody's fault except for the devil. I mean, it's, we all get deceived. We all do stupid stuff. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord and mercy that can reverse any mistake that we ever make. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But let, me, let, me, let me add this, Osa. What Men and women, what you may view as sexual incompatibility is not sexual incompatibility. That's not what it is. Is that you're tied to somebody in your past. You may be a man that's married right now, but some woman in your past has done some tricks and some flips and swinging from the chandelier, and now your wife is not that woman. And your wife did not do those things. But your mind now is stuck with this other woman or other women. And you can't seem to move forward with your wife and to receive your wife and love your wife. But then women, tied to the past. This guy was Mr. Debonair, Mr. Romance. He told me everything I wanted to hear. He did it. He bought me flowers. He bought me cards. And you're stuck. So now you've married a man who's a good man, a good man, a godly man, but maybe he doesn't say all the flowery words you want to hear. So now you're thinking about this dude from your past. You have to cut those ties and move forward. Love the one that you chose, the one that you said I do too. Love that person. Be patient with that person and move forward. I was listening, I was reminded of a testimony of a man. He said for three months he cut out all television, 
all social stuff. He would not read any magazine, any newspaper, nothing. Wouldn't look at any pictures. He dedicated himself for three months. Before he did it, he was not attracted to his wife. At the end of three months, he had fallen in love with her. You know why? There were no competing soul ties. That's what's so dangerous about social media. Okay, I was, uh, oh Jesus, no, I don't want to say that one. I definitely don't want to say that one. Oh Jesus, I don't want to say that one. I just, uh, yeah, I don't want to say that one, sorry. I was about to mess up, okay. But just, you know, keep these things in mind that, you know, the devil knows your frame. The Bible says that God has mercy with us and longevity with us because he knows our frame. And he knows that we are but flesh. And the devil knows how you think. He knows how you are emotionally. He knows exactly what to bring into your life. Always remember this. This is very important. Paper stuff. Whenever you are living sexually immoral and then you stop it and then you start having victory in that area, always know that the devil will bring the same thread another way. It won't be sex. It'll be through a new friend. It'll be through a business transaction. It'll be through, it'll be through some type of relationship because the process is the same with everything. We talk about sex. It's a sex, okay? You're seduced into doing something. You commit to it. When you try to break from it, it produces an issue because you're still tied to it. So when you stop it in the area of sex, they'll just try to bring it another way. You don't recognize it's the same thread. They're hoping that you get frustrated the same way and then you actually turn back to the sex. It's very, it's very, very, and it's all about protection, y'all. And that's why I said earlier, if you don't get to your thick skull, what Jesus, what God said, he said, I know the thoughts that I have concerning you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, at the end, you will get what you were expecting, as long as it's good. And if you don't ever realize that, then what will happen is when you see somebody else get married before you do, you think that God is withholding from you. Always remember this. When you have to wait, it seems like an eternity. Once you get the blessing, it'll seem like eternity never existed. It's just how it is, okay? Took stuff we had to wait on seemed like it was forever. Seemed like that a couple of times in my life, I actually thought God was mad at me. It took so long. Now that I got it, I realized he was protecting me, okay? He was protecting you. There's nothing worse than jumping into something and then you mess up your life. Sin, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is not whack. Sin is fun. It is exciting. It is tantalizing. It is desirable. It is cool. And it is seductive. The problem is, is that it's death. And everything that looks good, when it comes to that, it looks good up front. And at the end, you wish you had never met it. The things of God, it can look corny up front, look like you're losing out, but at the end, you have the last laugh. If any of you have seen uh, Tyler Perry's movie, Temptation, yeah. this woman had a wonderful husband, had a great husband. Good looking guy, nice guy, good to her, had goals and aspirations. And she's in her job and doing her thing, and she was led away. This guy coming in all smooth and talking to her, and then took her, took this girl down to the ground. I mean, death was brought forth from that situation. Complete death. And so it can look good. And the crazy part about soul ties, I mean, it feels like super glue, where you are just stuck. And when you try to tear away, it's painful, so you go back to it. But no, this is not right. Let me get away. No, and then you go back to it. And it's like a dog that keeps returning to its own vomit. You just keep going back to it. Keep going back to it. Keep going back to it. It's like, I 
got to break this cycle. I've got to break out of this. Because you don't want to keep repeating the same thing over and over again with a new guy, a new girl, a business, or organizations over and over and over again not being able to move forward in your life. And that's why sometimes you have to have seasons where you are alone. Because you gotta have, God needs you to be alone so that you can have a period of time where nobody is in your life. So it can just be you breaking this stuff. It gets weaker and it gets weaker and it gets weaker and weaker. It's like a rubber band. You know, today you had whatever it is, friends, sex, sex with somebody you weren't supposed to have sex with, okay? And, and then on, on, on day two, when you stop it, it stretches the rubber band a little bit. Day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day seven, day eight. The part is the more you have sex this way, the more it strengthens the rubber band. Okay? And the longer you go, the rubber band gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and then eventually it will snap. Problem is, when it pops, the devil will always bring you a new rubber band. It never stops, okay? So, so be very careful. One of the things that we're going to, and there's a lot of things that we're going to cover. We're going to stop here, but it's a lot of, and I know you have something to let you share. Um, it's a lot of things we're going to cover because we have to, we have to cover everything from rape. Um, what is this? The rape. There's hair flying around. It's because uh, rape forces soul ties. This is the reason why most men that are homosexuals, it is because of molestation. Okay? They were raped by a man, molested by a man, and then what happens is it forces the emotions to line up with something that is perverted. And that's why when it happens to a man, the first thing they think is that they're gay. I, I, it's hard to comprehend. Okay, the, guy, the dude violates you, now you think you're gay? Yeah, well, nobody could explain that because they didn't understand that it was, it was intimacy perverted, but it tried to produce the same cleaving. Okay? The body goes into a shock and says, whoa, now this is happening in a weird way, but according to this, this type of intimacy here, the body is, the emotions are supposed to cleave. Then you cleave to a man, and then never wanted to be with a man, but you cleave to a man, and then the church rejects you. It never explains it, treats you like a plague, all that type of stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, very much, very much needed. You want to say this, Wes? So the last thing I wanted to say is about that time of being alone. Not lonely, but being alone. I, I call it a time of consecration, where you are purging and cleaning things out of your life, your mind, your soul, and going through your life and evaluating where you got off, what mistake you've made, mistakes you may have made, and then you're getting those things right so you can move forward and have victory in your life and not keep failing and stumbling over the things that caused you to stumble in the past. So for example, when I got saved, the first thing I got rid of were the guys. Okay, no more men in my life. Second thing was the music. I love music. The words were tantalizing. You know, call love songs. Okay, well, no. If I listen to these words and I hear this music and it makes me feel a particular way, guess what? I need to cut that music up because I don't want to feel this way. And then I'm hearing music that triggers situations, triggers things that happened in my past. So I cut those things out. Movies. I don't want to watch on screen what I used to do. I'm trying to stay live holy and pure. So I had to watch, be careful with my movies. And even as a married woman, I still operate this way because these things can be, they can come back into your life. You can draw them right back into your life if you're not careful. And it's just, I mean, it's there in front of your face. Evil is at your fingertips. You know, I made sure that we don't have certain movie channels. We even cut off HBO because HBO likes to be slick after about 12 o'clock midnight. And, um, and so, um, but it's, I mean, it is amazing. You'll flip the channel, the rest of the family asleep. you up at one o'clock in the morning, which is not a whole lot for me. 
one o'clock when you're flipping through the channels, and then bam, you hit the channel. Whoa! How many of you know whether you're male or female, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, what do you do? You keep on flipping. How many of you know that the moment you start flipping, there's a little voice in your head, you know you want to go back. It's not you. Okay? So it's, it's, a, it's a game that's being played with your emotions, you know? And so, and, 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 and let me say this, all of this is housed in, we didn't go over these scriptures, where the Bible says that in the last days, it says men would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits to draw them away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. One of the biggest things that we have amongst all of this is seducing spirits out here trying to draw men away from the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. Simple. Jesus died for you because you were born a particular way. You died in Adam. Sacrifice. You get born again. Live according to the word of God. Live a clean life. Got all of these individuals out here that's trying to say no. It's deeper than that. No, it's not that. It's the white man's religion. It's this or that. No, it's not. It's called a seducing spirit. Problem is, when you're seduced by a spirit, how would you know? How would you know? If you were deceived, how would you know you were deceived? Because there's been several times I was deceived and it took the Holy Ghost to tell me that I was deceived. Then my eyes opened. Oh, stop listening to such and such. Oh, stop listening to such and such. Oh, this person that told you this, it was dead wrong even though it sounded right. People, whoever it is, okay? So we got we to cover all of that. But just ask, let me... The worst thing that you can ever do is not want the truth. The truth will make you free. And the truth will make you feel bad. The truth will make you cry. The truth will make you feel like a failure. But if you are an individual that you don't want to hear the raw truth in your heart, we're not talking about what you say. In your heart, if you really don't want the truth in simplicity, the opposite will always be given. Deception. And there are some people that they want to be deceived because they don't want to do the right thing. And so God will always honor that request. Remember what he told the disciples? He said, they said, why are you teaching those guys like that? You, you're deceiving them on purpose. He said, yeah, because that's what they want. It's the law of the kingdom. Give them what they want. This is not religion. I teach this stuff. It is very dangerous. We are an extremely great, powerful people, and there is equality with us and God. And if you want to go to hell, he respects your right to go there and send you down a rocket with twin turbos. Let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God, hallelujah. So, you know, we're going to encourage you to invite people to come here at both of our locations and listen to this, as well as listen to this by media page. It's a question, unfortunately, that most of the body of Christ is not answering. They either don't believe in it, or they just want to grease you down with oil, and, and, and the greasing down with oil is not a big deal as long as we come up with some understanding. You have to understand, I need to be able to explain this to my children. Not just say, you need to stay a virgin or I'm gonna kill you. Okay, now they might do that because they're scared of me. I don't need my kids doing it because they're scared of me. I need my kids doing it because they understand. Understanding, understanding, and all by getting, get what? Understanding. Okay, unreal. Okay, so we're just opening this up. And so I'm going to just pray a general prayer over you right now for the Holy Spirit to reveal to all of us the areas that we're being deceived, whether it be by family members. Uh, sometimes we can even be deceived by our spouse, unfortunately, and our children, and our parents. 
We can be deceived by preachers of the faith. We can be deceived by false teachers who draw us away from Jesus Christ. We can be deceived by people that we are dating. But we are dating. I mean, all of those things. And so we're just going to pray that now. So just go ahead, bow your head, lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says that if two of us would agree in regards to anything that we would ask, it would be done by our Father, which is in heaven. So we thank you, Lord God. We come into agreement right now in the name of Jesus Christ that every single person under the sound of our voice in this room, those who will listen by the media page, those who will listen to this, we thank you, Lord God, that you will reveal unto us the areas where we are being deceived, the areas of soul ties that have stopped forward movement, stopped increase, stopped multiplication, stopped us from advancing, causing trouble in our marriages and our relationships, causing a divide between parents and children and family members. We know, oh Father God, that the enemy works in deception, the enemy works in dark, the enemy works in ignorance. But we ask, oh Father God, that you would give us wisdom, for you said that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and it will be given to him freely and liberally. So I ask, oh Father God, for every person here that wants to know the truth and to move forward, and to have joy unspeakable like you promised in your word. We pray, oh Lord God, that you would reveal unto us things that have not been resolved in the past, that have only been repaired with safety pins and not sewn up completely to look like it was never torn. We ask that you would reveal unto us, oh Father God, our mindsets, our crazy ways of thinking, the things, oh Lord God, that are tripping us up to fall into things that the enemy knows but we do not know. Let us know, oh Lord God, show us the individuals that we may love them and even like them, but they may not be good for us during this period of time. We thank you, Lord God, that you will go back into our past. And as we pray before you and seek your face, you will reveal unto every single person here those individuals that they are still tied to, those individuals that still have power over them and they don't know it, those individuals, oh Lord God, that have their thumbprint on their soul. And we believe we receive, oh Lord God, that those thumbprints and those ties will be broken. They will be removed. Thank you, Lord God, that we will be a free people, free to love, free, oh Lord God, to have intimacy in our marriage relationships, free, oh Lord God, to have friends, free, oh Lord God, to operate in the joy of the Lord, never in fear, oh Lord God, moving forward. So I thank you that every single person here, regardless of what has happened in the past, they will have victory in the future, regardless of the failures of the past, that they will win in the future, regardless of the fears of the past, they will have faith for the future. So we thank you, Lord God, for doing a mighty work in the lives of those that will listen to this teaching. Thank you, Lord God, that this is just the introduction. We know, oh Father God, that many great things will be shared over these next few weeks. We thank you, Lord God, for it now. In Jesus' name we